fear is a tool. But when that light hits the sky. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host, Vengeance. <laughs> this is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com. Photo, video, digital media production. Today we are discussing Vengeance. I'm not going to do Batman voice too much because I listened to like, I don't know how many reviews before listening to this and everyone did some sort of uh, uh, Batman interpretation and I'm I'm going to try to be the anti that. I'm going to try to actually do uh, a review without doing too many voices and sounding like an ass the whole time. I mean, you didn't come here to hear me do voices, you came here to hear a decent review, so let's keep it that way. Not to say I didn't like some of the interpretations out there of people doing the Batman voice, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to go through all that. But with saying that, let's let's start from the top. The Batman is a twenty twenty two American superhero film based off the DC comic comics character Batman. Produced by DC Films Six in Idaho, Dylan and Clark Production Dylan Clark Productions and distributed by uh, Warner Brothers Production Pictures. It is a reboot of the Batman film franchise. The film was directed by Matt Reeves, who wrote uh, the screenplay with Peter Craig. Let me um, hop into their uh, uh, their kind of backgrounds real quick. So basically, I know Matt Reeves uh, best well known for... I didn't realize he had directed uh, Cloverfield, but I did see... And he also did Let Me In. I haven't seen that either. I did see Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. And I've seen bits and pieces of War of the Planet of the Apes. I thought I've actually seen more than that um, from him. But he has uh, big properties under his belt that he has already tackled. So he can he's already shown that he can um, handle a big property such as uh, Planet of the Apes or Batman or even something as big as Cloverfield. Which, uh, granted, was kind of uh subtextual like it wasn't marketed to be what it was it was kind of a mystery of what it was going to be um the screenplay is also by peter craig he is kind of an interesting filmography as well um he was a writer on the town hunger games part one part two mocking jay uh 12 strong bad boys for life i thought that was okay i thought like it was funnier than i was expecting the Unforgivable, and then uh, The Batman, and then he's also one of the writers on Top Gun Maverick, the new movie coming out, alongside Justin Marks. Um, and he's also going to be a writer on The Mother. I'm not really sure what that is about yet, featuring Jennifer Lopez. Um, so anyways, they have a pretty diverse uh, stronghold of the the directors and writers on this. You know, we have the the Matt Reeves and Peter Craig of it all. So uh, generally, I think that this would be a, a pretty good matchup right here alongside having starring uh, Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne. And everyone mostly knows him from initially the Twilight series, but he was, uh, he's gone on to be one of the most interesting actors to follow from a story perspective um so let me see uh, i think he was actually in harry potter and the goblet of fire before he played uh edward cullen in twilight so this guy is he's never he never has to work a day in his life again i mean he's in multiple 
multi-million dollar franchises um you know the fourth harry potter the the twilight he's been in romantic dramas such as remember me water for elephants um he's gone on to do Cos cosmopolis uh the the thriller um the Lost City of Z, he featured in the Safdie Brothers, uh, or he was one of the main leads in the Safdie Brothers crime drama, Good Time. Uh, he was in High Life, the the science fiction, Claire Dennis's science fiction drama, and Robert Edgar's psychological horror film, The Lighthouse. Um, and, of course, he was in uh, Christopher Nolan's um, mainstream films, uh, spy films, Tenet in 2020. So him coming to show up in the Batman 2022 is just feels almost like a massive culmination of big blockbusting big blockbuster properties meeting um small indie kind of more silent dramas which I think brings a very interesting Batman for this film so I'll kind of uh, like I said I'm not I, I don't like to do spoilers up front. We're gonna do a nice little section of talking about the film, what you should be re expecting going in if you haven't seen it, or what you should kind of be prepared for. This is a slow burn detective Batman story, and I'm going to leave my the influences this movie has in the spoiler section because um, I think they kind of spoil things that happen in this. In this movie, but it's a it's a hard boiled, uh, slow slow crime drama featuring Batman as the main character, and he literally is Batman the main uh, in the majority of this movie in comparison to being his uh, character outside of the suit, which would be Bruce Wayne. Which he Bruce Wayne is quite honestly not in this movie a ton which is not a criticism because most of the time people say well there's not enough batman so it's like either do you want more batman or you want more bruce this movie we happen to get more batman and he is solving the crimes um you know world's greatest detective so to speak so um yeah he robert pattinson is a very interesting character uh a character very interesting actor to play this character, Bruce Wayne, which um, I'm only ready to see more of. Um, and so he plays alongside Zoe Kravitz, Paul Dano, Jeffrey Wright, John Turturro, Peter Skarsgård, Andy Serkis, and Colin Farrell. The Batman sees, sorry, the film sees Batman who has been fighting crime in Gotham City for two years uncover corruption while pursuing the Riddler, a serial killer who targets Gotham's elite. And so, um, I thought that this was a very good uh, foe to have for the Batman, especially for the detective Batman uh, side of it. Now, I'm going to be straight up honest that I am not a big comic book reader, not because of like I'm against it or anything. I just don't I haven't really had time to really sit down and dive into any um any comic books at this point, but maybe in the near future I will. This movie seems to take a, a lot of liberties from the previous movies of Batman eighty nine, the Nolan films, kind of uh kind of creating this hyper realism 
uh, of a Gotham City, which Gotham very much has uh, an aesthetic feel in this movie. It doesn't feel like any of the other uh, Batman interpretations. Now, from the pros in this movie, I think the casting is phenomenal. I don't really have any... I don't have gripes about it. I really don't have gripes about any of the movie. It's all really technically done. It's one of the most beautiful films I've seen in a long time. Um, the the music and the the cinematography the, uh, cinematography from Greg Frazier, same cinematographer from as Dune, and uh, the music is by Michael Giacchino. Um, this is one of my favorite. Uh, one of my favorite scores I've heard in a very long time. I let me see if I uh, career. So, see if I can find anything else this guy's done. Wrote and directed. Sorry, wrote and scored. He scored Coco, Incredibles two, Taika Waititi's Jojo Rabbit. Okay, so he's done a fuck ton of stuff. Okay, three more Marvel films. Okay, so. Let me, He's done a fuck ton. Okay, he's composed a score for Doctor Strange. Did he do it? Doctor Strange too? Let me see this. Jesus, he did. I, I like Doctor Strange. Um, so he did Doctor Strange. I think he did Rogue One. My God, this guy's got a fucking hell of a lot of accolades. Three more Marvel films. Homecoming, Far From Home, No Way Home. And he's set to score Love, uh, Thor, Love, and Thunder. God dang. Scored Zootopia. Dude, this guy is probably sitting on a mound of money. <laughs> My God. Anyways, this has a very like simple dun-dun kind of score. And I gotta say, the intro to this movie, I, I basically had to change my shorts about three times. I was like, whole my god this is gonna be the best thing i've ever seen in my life and for the most part it was an extremely impressive movie and uh it has very lofty goals for the two hours and sorry 176 minutes which is just under three hours um you know including trailers you're going to be in the movie theater for three hours so I did have a quibble with the time. Now, I, I want to say this kind of up front that there's there's so many things about the movie going experience that you kind of have to factor in when talking about a movie that's over two hours. And, you know, as, you know, getting older and stuff like that, as an older guy or an older woman or an older person versus a child or a kid you know they might have attention span that might not be as good but it's like we we get older we have to use the restroom we have to get up and stand and move and let our bodies move and stuff like that and let the blood flow a little bit um so sitting down for two and a half hours plus um two hours and 45 minutes i know there have been other movies that uh I, I didn't feel the length on it, um, such as Endgame or something like Far From Home was pretty long as well. But um, the overarching scale of the movie made it feel like it needed every bit of those three three hours in those previous movies I mentioned. This movie feels much more of the the slow burn of of like a three-hour miniseries. 
I if you kind of chunk this up to about three hour mini series, three hours of a mini series, I think it kind of plays a little bit better, and I think it's gonna blow HBO Max out of the water whenever it hits the uh, streaming service. I know everyone's gonna go back and rewatch it and see different things they didn't see, um, and just kind of live in the world a little bit. But it's just, uh, it's just such a. I keep saying slow burn, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but it there are certain aspects of this movie that make it feel like they are just lingering on shots for extra long. I, I When I watched it, I was like, okay, this scene could probably be trimmed up a little bit at the front and at the back. I felt like some plots could honestly be taken out entirely. Um, not that I wanted anything taken out. I just was thinking from like the perspective of saving time. I know that this this movie is also uh, having to prop up. It says it's a standalone movie, but there's uh, going to be properties that are going to be based in this world again, um, such as... Uh, I, I'll mention it at the end of the podcast, so that no spoilers or anything like that. Um, but this is also propping up other properties that are going to soon follow after. And just overall, it's... Um, it's a very livable world, and it feels livable. Not a livable world. It's a very lived-in world, and it feels like very established. And I love the tone in it. But I gotta say that we, it definitely feels like we were in it for a, a while. And sitting at home watching a three-hour mini mini series is completely different because I'm laying in my bed normally or on a couch, able to go use the restroom and pause the thing anytime I want or rewind it if need, need be. Um, if I miss something versus if I'm in a movie theater where I have to worry about someone snacking on popcorn in behind my ear and me not being able to get comfortable in the goddamn seats. Um, I don't know how many people were in the movie theater thinking, you know, this fucking seat sucks ass. Like my, I've been in a couple different movie theaters and that have the reclining seats and my, my movie theater does not have that, but even with the reclining seats, it's sometimes hard just to sit there for three hours. I I, I don't know how some people are just like super comfortable and not feeling it. I'm, my back just gets all out of out of whack, and I gotta like you know, get a nice crack in half between. Um, I did already have a little bit of a podcast of uh, what I feel like could be edited um, out of this out of this movie. It's gonna transition to that here in a minute, but I did talk about. Um, you know, sitting in a theater for three hours is completely different than sitting at home. So um, I I think that people are going to enjoy this movie on a second watch when they're able to rewatch it in a more comfortable environment. Um, so, yeah, all the performances are amazing. Uh, I don't think any of them everyone's going to say, is this going to be as good as the the Dark Knight? Well, you got to really put the Dark Knight in another subsection because one, the Dark Knight was, it's a completely different styled story. Like it's the same type of Batman. Like you could probably put this Batman story in between Batman Begins and Batman the Dark Knight. Um, but aesthetically it looks different. The character of Batman is, is more, way more sullen uh, and the overall tone kind of stays one note in my opinion. The the Dark Knight in the the biggest comparison between the Dark Knight, I I was doing like a a back 
uh, you know, background rewatch of the Batman Begins and the Dark Knight yesterday, um, just to kind of see the aesthetic differences. Um, like Nolan's films are heightened, or what I would call heightened realism. I don't, I don't want to say that they're really campy at all, unless you, it comes down to the actual costumes of the characters. Um, they so they generally the world around them feels pretty pretty uh, real. What doesn't feel real, or w- what is different in The Dark Knight than what is in the Batman, the, this Detective Batman movie, the biggest difference, in my opinion, is the beams and light lights of uh, levity. There are a lot of joke, not not even jokes, just like small little conversations between Alfred and Bruce or Bruce and someone else um maybe Bruce and Commissioner Gordon that kind of bring a little bit more of uh, a little bit more levity to the film and I felt like this movie over the arching three hours it has beams of that kind of dark humor as well but around the mid half of the movie there's just absolutely no jokes and it's not like i need my batman to have jokes i think that i i don't i i completely see the criticism of people saying it's too dark and from a a cinematography standpoint yes it is fucking dark but as long as your black levels on your theater look good then you should be fine like everyone's going to have a slightly different experience with this um because of how the the movie is is given and directed and what you're what you're trying to really notice. So once again, rewatching it is going to help. But like I said, the the bits of levity, like I actually was laughing a few times in a horrifying manner when Heath Ledger was on screen. I laughed a few times when Bruce and Alfred have these quips, uh, you know, the, the, I'm going to say the whole thing was your idea. You know, that was a fucking hilarious side sidebar. There's no bits of levity in this movie that kind of let you do that. Um, in my opinion, it's a very, you know, dark and sullen movie. Um, I don't remember how long, uh, I, I don't. I don't want to talk about the influences this movie has because it's it's a uh, it's kind of spoiler for me in my opinion. Um, so yeah, the the influences are obvious once you point them out. I just don't want to. I don't want to go through that uh, spoilery section yet. So um, anything else we need to talk about this uh, this section? So basically, if you haven't seen the movie, I think you're you're going to say it's a great movie, but. Um, the average person that is going in to see an action flick is going to be a little bit stupid. You know, if you're going in to see Batman do tons of action and whoop a bunch of ass, he does whoop a bunch of ass and there is decent action. I don't think the action set pieces are better than The Dark Knight. And so that's what everyone's going to say. It's like, and... Something about that action set piece was great, but it was a little dark, but, you know, I, it was fun. I, I think the biggest thing about this movie is that the action set pieces are, they are a lot of fun, but they're kind of far and few between, and sometimes the reason to get to them didn't always feel natural. So it did feel kind of like this push and pull of, 
do you want to be a detective noir or are we an action film? And sometimes it weaves itself better in between in between those. Um, other times, not so much. I think that there's probably like a four or five hour cut of this movie somewhere that probably has an entire hour of no action. And I would probably watch that at home. I wouldn't mind watching a longer version of this movie at home to kind of understand this world a little bit more. I, they could totally do the re-edit of a, a extended Zack Snyder cut, although I don't want Zack Snyder to do it. I'm just kind of giving that example. Um, but with saying that, um, yeah, the 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 movie definitely feels like it's already too long. Um and could be cut about 20, 30 minutes. But with saying that, you're probably cutting, you know, the legs from un- other parts of the story and future parts of the story that they're trying to set up. Like there's, like I said, there's tons of setup for future stuff down the road, even though they're trying to say it's a standalone Batman movie. It would have been interesting, like I said, uh, the uh, to have the, what was it, the Ben Affleck, uh, version of this would have been completely different because he's, he's much older um, in the timeline of Batman versus this type of Batman. Um, and for anyone that's seen like the animated shows, it's been years since I've seen it. This feels like the visualization of the Batman Begins uh, show. I, I definitely feel like his the way that he kind of carries himself. Robert Pattinson is... Uh, I, I do like his performance as Batman, but he, he does play kind of the same note the majority of the time of the movie. And he kind of has a transition at the very end, but we'll we'll talk about that more of more into the um into the podcast. So, um let me see. Development began after Ben Affleck was cast in Batman and DC Extended Universe in 2013. Affleck signed on to direct, produce, co-write, and star in the Batman, but had reservations about the project and dropped out. Reeves took over the reworked story, removing the DCEU connections. He sought to explore Batman's detective side more than previous films, drawing inspirations from 1970s films and comics such as Year One 1987, The Long Halloween 96-97, and Ego 2000. Pattinson was in May 2019, was cast in May 2019, with further casting late in 2019. Principal photography took place in UK and Chicago during January 2020 and March 2021. Um, Batman premiered at the Lincoln Center in New York on March 1st, 2022, was theatrically released on March 4th. March 4th, it was delayed twice from an initial t- June 2021 release date due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The film has grossed over 258 million dollars against a 185 to 200 million dollar budget, making it the fourth highest-grossing film of 2022, and receiving praise for the performances cinematography reeves directions editing visual style um action sequences and story though some criticized its runtime it is uh intended to launch a batman shared universe with two sequels planned and two spin-off television series in development for hbo max i'm not going to say which ones yet because it's kind of a spoiler um so 
that's kind of uh, the roundup of the uh, non-spoiler section. I kind of hope that you understand what you're going into now. This is a detective Batman story with uh, with some fun action scenes splashed in between. Um, performances are through the roof. Everything's hitting on all cylinders. And I think it's all going to be uh, up to the viewer and their expectations. I will say that watching the teaser trailer that they released a year ago makes it look like an action film and uh nothing wrong with that or anything like that but um i'm just like that's it's not an action film i, I wouldn't even cl classify it as as an action film really at all if it didn't have batman in it i don't think most most people would um categorize any action in it i mean there is some action but it's not like uh, i it, let's just hop into spoilers that's the only way to really talk about it all right everyone uh, and again, I would give it an eight out of 10. It's one of my, it's probably going to be one of my favorite movies this year, but it's on, probably going to be lower top 10. I'm just going to take a wild guess. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening, watching Luck It Out Podcast. Be sure to go to dot com for all the reviews, all the Patreon. You could be listening to this podcast early. You can be listening to other podcasts early tv shows movies we've covering it all we've uh recently just covered the first episode of yellowstone i, I didn't want to be left out of the dark on the, the cultural conversation of that so i had to jump on that um and also just to kind of be a little more timely with the movies we've actually covered uh batman 89 the uh, michael keaton tim burton movie um, featuring uh, Jack Nicholson's The Joker. So I go back and check that out. That is uh, available on the YouTube as well as luckitoutpodcast.com and patreon.com slash podcast. All right, everyone. So we are going to hop into the spoiler section. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening, watching Look It Out Podcast. Uh, here is the spoiler section. All right, so we're here to talk about the Batman 2022 spoiler section first. Recording this section before the non-spoiler because I want to get uh, my initial reaction thoughts of just kind of walking out of the theater and how I felt. Went and saw it yesterday. Sunday, nice screening. I don't care... Um, about the runtime, it's how comfortable you are in this movie. That's that's really what's going to, I think, propel how much you enjoy this movie. Since this movie is sitting at uh, just under three hours, give or take, trailers and however long that takes, it's a long time to sit in a theater. So, uh, since we're in the spoiler section, uh, yes... It's a fantastic movie from all the technical angles that this could possibly uh, go for. I think it's one of the best uh, movies, detective movies that I've seen from a visual standpoint and the technical standpoint. And it just so happens to have Batman on it. Um, my thing is, I easily think one of these uh, uh, villains probably... Maybe Penguin probably could have been removed. 
Not that I necessarily wanted him to be removed, but if you remove one of the villains, which is has it has been a notorious Batman, uh, not exactly a problem, but they've always tried to put all of his uh, uh, rogues gallery of villains in all of the movies. They always are trying to stuff them to the max. So the uh, dynamic of having the Penguin work for Falcone and um, him having to basically take down each one of these villains. You got to take down the Penguin to take down Falcone to take down the Riddler. It is a lot to ask for the audience to sit there for two and a, about two hours to take down uh, almost three villains. Plus, we have to lift all of the story for uh, the Batman that we already that that we're following now, Robert Pattinson's, and then we have Zoe Kravitz's backstory. There's just a ton of story they're trying to pack in this uh, movie, so. I'm not saying this is what I would have done if I would have created the movie or if I was if you're plotting it out, I think it would look very it would look very thick and condensed from a story perspective as in you know every single scene almost has to do some sort of lifting to progress the story forward. So when watching it a second time, um I saw that the progression of the Penguin storyline, if you remove that storyline, you remove a, one of the cooler action scenes with the Batmobile, granted. I, I absolutely love that. But I'm not... Give or take that action scene, if we remove the Penguin, we're going to remove the amazing makeup job from that and the performance that Colin Farrell gives. But I also think it gives us about 40 minutes back into... Uh, into the movie. I, I really do think the the penguin's not in it that much, but when he's in it he's, you know, chewing up scenery and he's he's doing his um he's doing his thing. I'm not saying that I don't want the penguin in there. I'm just saying if there was a character they could take out to save some time for the the pacing of the movie, if that was a critique, I think the penguin would be the one to do it. Or maybe just limit his scenes to maybe one or two. The um the overall story for me is so much of a detective noir um, in this in in Gotham that makes it feel heightened reality very much as I said or, or um, I'm going to say earlier as uh, the Keaton um, the Keaton sorry the Tim Burton's 89's Batman has a very uh, campy heightened reality. Um, versus uh the nolan which is kind of the the gritty realism and so there's a nice combination of blending of the two and i think uh like i said all of the technicals the the director of photography is the same one from dune so i mean i i i just know the the technicals behind it it's one of the best looking films uh, i've seen in a long time let alone best looking batman films um even granted the the dark uh, the dark shadows and levels that are going on in there. Greg Fraser is the director of photography. So, um, yeah, what, with saying that, I I did feel the length both times. The first time, I was like, wow, we are in this for two hours and we're just now seeing the Riddler. Um, it, it felt very much of the Dark Knight Rises 
Um, third act, a lot of people say that movie kind of continues to go on and on, um, almost like a double third act. I feel like this movie has a third act and a fourth act. Um, like, we, we get the takedown of one of the main villains for, I mean, we're in spoiler section now for uh, uh, the Batman, so um, Falcone's literally shot um, by the Riddler, and then the Riddler to to my knowledge he just follows into he goes into a coffee shop that he's been spotted at i thought the reveal of the riddler first of all it's very uh the iconography in this movie alone is is phenomenal i love all the iconography um him sitting in that diner the the visual language of it the question marks all of it i think work really well now it's the plotting of We've been trying to determine what the, who the Riddler is, where the Riddler is, the the, the actual detective side of the story. Um, I feel like we're, we are trying to follow along with Batman, although there are certain clues that he's going to get that we aren't going to get as the audience that are going to clue him in more than us. So we're more or less watching him solve the crime as opposed to solving the crime along with him. Um... I think uh, Channel Awesome was talking about the difference in that, uh, watching a crime versus a a mystery. Um, But yes, so um, the reveal of the Riddler for me, I wanted it to be more of a, oh my gosh, it's been him the whole time. The thing is, it's kind of a double-edged sword. If you know who the Riddler is, you know it's Paul Dano, so you know he hasn't been like infiltrating the, the police unit at all. So... I, I just feel like the ultimate plan of the Riddler was to ultimately get caught, and I, I kind of wanted it more or less for Batman to catch him instead of letting him get caught. Because ultimately in the movie, um, the Riddler sort of wins. He floods the entire... Um, he floods Gotham and causes everyone to go to the campaigning event. And uh, I'm, I'm going to have to look at the synopsis for the entire thing, but... Essentially, everyone having to rush in into the the middle of the city and Batman having to save everyone. Rewatching it, there's tons of people that probably died during this. Like Batman does not exactly win. He does not come out on top of uh, stopping the plan before Riddler does something terrible. So, um, you know, with saying that, I I just have. Uh, I have questions if this was the entire original plot because I kind of feel like there was a little bit of rewriting due to maybe COVID restrictions or something. I know Pattinson had gotten COVID during the uh, the course of the the filming of it. I'm not sure if that had anything to do with the action scene at the end. It just feels very not not a hundred percent tacked on. Because I know there's going to be tons of people. There, there's basically three subjects of people that like this movie. They either love it, they like it, or they they're like, "This is not the Batman I know." And for the people that are completely against the movie, I, I think those are the people that just want to see action, pulse pounding, a little bit more brighter type Batman. And I can totally see that because there's so many different types of variations of the character. This feels very much of the the limited. Uh, uh the limited time that we're with Bruce he is very dark and brooding and young and trying to grapple and 
um, understand his emotions a little bit better. He's not quite as lively as the uh, the Nolan versions of uh, uh, Christian Bale's character, where he has to kind of put a facade on of you know being the ladies' man and whatnot. But we'll talk. Uh, I, I will have talked about this earlier in the in the review. Um, kind of doing this out of order so i'm trying to gear my head up right uh, i feel like the damn riddler trying to plan out a plot of a damn podcast i'm doing this all backwards <laughs> so um yeah let me um think about anything else yeah it's not like i would i would take out the penguin it's the fact that if you wanted to save 40 minutes of the movie i think that's the character to do it with i know that he's uh i will have talked about the uh the television show that he's coming out with or that HBO max is coming out with, which is going to be like the rogues gallery of all of the Batman villains and stuff like that. And bringing all the DC, um, uh, villains and stuff like that. I, 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 I'm excited about all of that. That's not like, that's not what I'm against at all. I just think that I did feel the time both times. And, um, yeah, I, that that's the character I would probably remove, or just give a lot less screen time to. Maybe only just have him in the club, and have Batman. Um, you know, looking back at it, I think I would have replaced. I I really love Skarsgård in this. Um, I think his name's Peter Skarsgård. Um, he's amazing in this, but I think it would have made almost more sense to replace one of the people that the Riddler is antagonizing with. Um, so that it saves on one of the characters that are possibly going to get killed by the Riddler. Um, maybe that would make more sense and just don't kill him at that time. I, I don't know. I, I have a lot of uh, critiques on the movie that could possibly shave on the time. Because, I mean, when I watched it the second time, I was like, this, this, I was thinking like this shot could be tightened up a little bit. It could be cut at the beginning, cut at the end. There was just scenes of them like gazing a little bit. It almost felt like it felt like the the beginning and end of the shots that they just decided to linger on a little bit extra long. And it's been what people will say is 15 years since we've had a really good Batman and uh I don't disagree with that. Um you know, obviously the uh Zack Snyder interpretation with uh, Ben Affleck is some love it more than others. I, I think that, you know, Affleck did a, an apt, very apt job of being Bruce Wayne and Batman. It's just the the tech was not my favorite and the movie he the movies he was in were not my favorite. I would have liked to have seen the ba Ben Affleck um, version of the Batman. If we would have gotten the Ben Affleck version of the Batman, it would have been, in my opinion, an older version than the version we got in here. Obviously, because Ben Affleck's, what, 15 years at least older than um, Robert Pattinson, but it would have been probably an old, older, grizzled um, Batman. And so, yeah, I honestly, I don't have a complaint about m any of the Batmans, give or take Clooney in the 90s. Clooney, I, I talked about this in my, my Batman 89 review, is... You've got to gauge your Bruce Wayne's and it, it, all the way back to like Adam West to uh, Bruce Wayne's of how much do they enjoy being Bruce Wayne or Batman? And uh, Keaton, Keaton and Kilmer, uh, Kilmer, Val Kilmer were uh, a little bit more uh, brooding and mysterious in my opinion. And, 
then you have on the opposite spectrum or and a little bit more of uh Ben Affleck but even his character kind of teetered in between being a little bit more of a funnier Batman in his latter films with like Justice League and whatnot so um and then we have Bale who kind of when he's sullen and alone he's you know sad Batman but when he's uh in the presence of people, he might have, you know, the girls, the money, the helicopters, you know, he's smiling, kind of a little bit of a jerk off, but he's still, it's like, yeah, people would probably still be pretty jealous of him. I don't think that people were jealous of Robert Pattinson's character in, in this care in this story, you know, he's, uh, he, he very much looks sad all the time. Um, I do want to talk uh, the plot here in a little bit. I'm just kind of doing more of the ram the rambling side of the spoiler section. Um, anything else I'd, I want to talk about off the top before we kind of get a little bit more in depth in on to the character? Um, so, like I said, all the performances, all of the the cinematography, the direction, the even the black levels. I I still really enjoyed how dark it was, and then when there was a beam of light, it was just like oh. So, um, anything else from the spoiler perspective? Hmm. You kind of have to look at this as like a three-hour miniseries. If you think of it as a three-hour miniseries, I think it works. If you think of it as a movie that happens to have like an extra 40 minutes to it, it, it I think it's a little bit extra. And like I said, it all depends on um, how much you enjoyed the movie if you're enjoying the two hours of it, you're gonna want more. If you're not, in, if you're if you're questioning the two hours of how long it's going and where the story is going, that's when I think the fabric of the world starts to fall apart. And um, you know, as I said in the previous section, um, you aren't going to enjoy the ride as long. You know, you, you might enjoy the ride for two hours, but that doesn't mean you want to be there three hours. Um, I, I think that. Some people think a longer movie of a movie they already like is something they're going to want, but that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes a longer movie doesn't mean like additional scenes or more action or uh, even more dramatic scenes that uh, kind of bring you close to the characters, more character building moments. That doesn't necessarily mean that at all. It could just mean that we're following the character for um 30 seconds longer down a corridor than normal or we're seeing additional b-roll of gotham city of people looting and stuff the streets for two more minutes than you know additional time it's really it's really the 30 seconds here the 30 seconds there of the entire movie that they shave off it's not like you just take off an entire scene although you can take off an entire scene for me this movie just felt like the scenes lasted longer. For um, the comparison I have in my head um, would be to Dune. Dune was a movie I felt like I thought I would want a three-hour movie for, and I think it was closer to two hours, maybe two and a half. And uh, the more I think about it, I'm kind of glad that they didn't do the extended whatever cut release for it because it might have it might have given me the uh, the same exhausting effect I felt during this movie. Now, for me, maybe I'm just getting old and our theater seats aren't comfortable, but I didn't want to sit for three hours because I was not I was not really that comfortable. And I've been in other movie theater seats that I... Even Spider-Man No Way Home, which was well 
well into two and a half hours, and I thought I would want more of that. I was still uncomfortable in those seats. So um, something Netflix and all these streaming services are not going to have to deal with are people complaining about being uncomfortable. If you're uncomfortable in your own home, then that's your own fault. You change out your chair. You don't normally blame the movie um, or mo the blame the movie theater and the experience. The experience is going to be tacked on to when you go to the actual theater, which everyone knows, but it's just something that I, I was mentally thinking about how it affects your experience. Because when you're watching television, when you when people were watching Squid Games, people weren't that was not someone's complaint that Squid Games was what they watched the whole thing in like eight hours or something like that. And they were uncomfortable the whole time. No, they weren't going to complain about being uncomfortable or having to use a restroom or any of that. It for me it just makes all the more sense of let's just do an intermission. I am almost, I'm almost down for intermissions to come back. Give me a five minute intermission. I'm maybe that's not even enough. Maybe a 10 minute intermission. I don't know if that's crazy. Let me go refresh my beverage. Let me go use the restroom and let me get back in the seat after stretching and stretching my arms and legs out for fucking five minutes. Um, it just, feels like it makes way more sense um theatrically if you're going to have us in there and that way you can push another you know the back end of it when i was um you know the back end of the story when i went and saw uh, star wars um the orchestra you know the live orchestra was playing while it was playing so you got to hear like the live music while they were actually doing, they were showing the movie on top of them, you know, projecting it on top of the orchestra. That was phenomenal. I, I enjoyed the hell out of that. And plus there, there legitimately felt like there was an act break right in the middle of uh, Star Wars when they're, you know, approaching the Death Star. It was a perfect place to put an intermission. And I was like, I'm kind of down for this. I don't know if I'm just getting old now and, you know, in my old age, I'm like, I need an intermission. My bladder is about to blow. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know what, um, I need, I need a goddamn double whiskey shot. <laughs> I just was like, uh, I'm kind of down for bringing the intermissions back. The more I think about it, cause I, going back and watching the movie, uh, the Batman, I'm like, yeah, the uh, there is a perfect place at the two-hour mark for there to be a five-minute act break, and I honestly was kind of down for that. And um, I don't know, something to think about in the future. Let what else? Um, yeah, the the movie overall. I like I said before, we get into the plot and everything. It was uh, it was unexpected, I think, and become because I'm not so versed in the comic book realm. I'm um, I think I'm enjoying it and appreciating it probably more than the average moviegoer. I think the average moviegoer is going to be expecting a little bit more um, action in their uh, Batman. And not to say that this doesn't have action. I think the action in this is shot really well. I just don't think that there is an action scene like the ones in The Dark Knight. Because it's obviously going to uh, be compared to that. I, uh, just because we've seen action to the scale of The Dark Knight, it was uh, shot so wide, uh, bright enough that where you can see, it was kind of funny with the Joker. Um, Paul Dano's The Riddler is very self-serious. There was not a time I thought I was going to, to laugh at him or something like that, laugh with him. 
although Heath Ledger plays um, the Joker kind of maniacal, he still has this like, I'm still kind of like laughing with him a little bit because he's, he's got these super dark jokes. I don't, I don't think the Riddler has dark jokes. Um, he has riddles. And I don't really find them that funny, I guess. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, I'll, I'll give a little bit more synopsis in it when we are uh, talking about the plot. Alright everyone, let's hop into the plot of The Batman 2022. For two years... Reclusive Gotham City billionaire Bruce Wayne has been the vigilante Batman and has developed an alliance with the Gotham City Police Department and a trusted bond with Lieutenant James Gordon. On Halloween, Mayor Don Mitchell Jr. is murdered by a serial killer calling himself the Riddler. Gordon discovers a message left for Batman by the Riddler, but Commissioner Pete Savage berates him for allowing a vigilante to enter the crime scene and forces Batman to leave. Um, so the opening of this is, is scary as fuck. It's it, the majority of the Riddler scenes are shot very much like a horror scene or a horror film, and you know it's like the the peeping tom of uh, tom of them all they're watching people from across the street through binoculars and you you see this family that you think is getting murdered and you realize it's the campaign it's the campaign guy uh don mitchell junior and his son is acting like he's killing them cuz he's in a halloween costume and then so his son and his wife leave to go do halloween festivities and I gotta say, the opening of this fucking this fucking movie, literally, like I said, I had to change my shorts like five or six times, because I was like, I think I just g'd myself. I was like, this is fucking like amazing. The aesthetic, the sound. I was like, holy Santa Claus! The voiceover, it gave me reminiscent vibes of, uh, was it two thousand nines? Watchmen with Zack Snyder directing and kind of the Rorschach of it all. I thought I was crazy when I was feeling that at the very end of the movie. I know that I'm kind of jumping around, but I didn't feel it when I opened it up. But at the end of the movie, I was like, holy shit, this is this feels like Rorschach. And Rorschach in that movie is kind of supposed to be loosely based off of Batman, but more, more or less like a cynical version of him. Um, and so... It's kind of funny how it, they're they're like influencing each other. So yeah, the, the aesthetic, the darkness, the the sound. I've never been more scared of duct tape sounds. Just you know, it's just like oh my gosh, this is horrifying. Um, the the Riddler's look looks like a goddamn gimp, and a just uh, it's just like sitting in someone's house in the fucking shadow. I was like, get out! You know, I was fucking freaking out. Um, and so seeing this guy get beat and bludgeoned with like a carpet remover thing, I was like, what the fuck is this? I didn't even understand what it was until the very end of the movie. And so uh, I was like, okay. Um, so this is going to be fucking dark. And so we see Detective Batman almost instantly in action. We see how the cops don't exactly trust him. Um, he's still very much new on the scene. And they're like, hey, whoa, 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 you can't even come on the, the crime scene yet. Versus 
if we're back in the the dark night, they basically just immediately allow him on the crime scenes and allow him to do shit, you know? Um so this this movie so feels very much in between the begins and the and the dark night. For me it does. And it is year two. So uh soon after the and also uh Commissioner Commissioner Gordon is Lieutenant Gordon in this. He hasn't been um bumped up to commissioner yet. Obviously there's you can't there's nothing bad to say about uh Jeffrey Wright's Commissioner Gordon. He's just a phenomenal actor and he can't do he really can't do no wrong. Um soon after the Riddler kills Savage and leaves another Batman leaves another Batman for him. Sorry, another Batman leaves another message for him. Um so the Riddler is just kind of going on this killing spree, and you're like, God dang, this guy is, like, relentless. And the types of murders this guy is doing are pretty gruesome. Like, they're, like, saw-type, seven-type, jigsaw-esque traps that he's got these people in. I'd say the only thing that is a little bit um, anticlimactic about the the riddles a little bit like seeing like the campaign manager you find out he's been like bludgeoned almost to death he's had his thumb removed they have to go get this thumb drive this is kind of dark darkly comedic joke which i thought was kind of funny but they don't really touch on the funny stuff ever again um really past i feel like thumb drive i don't know maybe 30 minutes in um you know, Jeffrey Wright's just, holy shit, man. He's always calling Batman just man because he doesn't know his fucking name. Uh, but anyways, uh, let me see. The kills are savage. I When I had heard that it feels like Seven and Jigsaw going in, it is kind of like they are trying to find Saw or Jigsaw. But it's not like the people that he's taken... I don't feel like they ever have a chance or do we ever really care about them. The thing about when the Joker took the the hostages in the previous movies, I felt like those people were kind of established in the world a little bit more. So like we had saw, we saw the newscaster. We saw the guy that was um wearing the Batman suit at the beginning of the movie. I know that they weren't like super main characters, but the people that the Joker took, which I don't think he took tons of people. The Riddler in this movie takes a lot more, lot more people than the Joker does. The Joker, when he takes those people, you kind of do feel like those people might have a chance in some sort. At, uh, that, that was my feeling when I was watching this Riddler. I was like, okay, these these people are just like instantly dead. They're instant. There's no, way that this Riddler even gives them a chance to get out of what they're going to, what, what's going to happen to them. And I, it might be a cause because this was a PG-13 movie and it desperately is trying to be a rated R movie because they basically have to blur out the movie every time someone's bludgeoned or beat or something like that. Um, but still, I was a little bit... It, it was the the types of of the crime that honestly just felt like we needed just a little bit more time with the people that were taken because I honestly my emotional gauge to the people that were taken I didn't care as much um 
there is an explosion with Andy Serkis's Alfred. Like I was like, holy shit, did he just kill Alfred? I I was like, this movie might actually try to kill Alfred, but it turns out they they kind of rolled it back, and um, I think there is actually a scene of Andy Serkis in the in the hospital in one of the marketing trailers that might spoil it. I I heard the 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 trailer spoiled a lot of shit. I saw the teaser trailer a few minutes before recording this. And I was like, yeah, it definitely feels like they showed way too much, um, which is why I don't watch trailers anymore. I, I, I'm like, I, if I'm going to see the movie, I'm going to see the movie. I, I don't need you to show me scenes from the third act, you know. So I very much enjoyed going into this kind of blind. I honestly had no idea John Turturro was going to play Falcone until about one or two reviews before they started. I was like, I kind of wish I wouldn't have known. Um, so anyways... We have uh, Batman and Gordon discover that the Riddler left a thumb drive in Mitchell's car containing images of Mitchell with a woman, Anna Kosloff, at the Iceberg Lounge. Another person that I don't really care what happens to. We just don't have enough time in this. It's crazy how it's three hours and we still feel like we don't have enough time to establish all these characters. So it's like people that are taken, a lot of the the people that are beaten and stuff like that. I'm just like, I don't think I care about these people and whatnot. It's, they're not really close enough to Bruce, um, for us to really have a pre-established connection with them. And it's not like he's like talking to anybody. So it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword. And you obviously don't want Zoe Kravitz to be the damsel in distress because she is such a phenomenal actress, both, both physical and, um, and on screen, just her acting wise, is phenomenal. So this is um, Anna Kosloff at the Iceberg Lounge, a nightclub operated by the Penguin, mobster. Uh, by the Penguin, mobster, uh, Carmine, Carmine Falcone, lieutenant. Sorry, Carmine. Sorry, I'm just gonna say mobster Falcone's lieutenant, the Penguin. I can't fucking say anything right now. Um, and let me just talk about Colin Farrell's makeup real quick. I know I, I talked about it a little bit in the previous uh, section, but um, the Penguin, ab- I, I know I had talked about earlier that he, if he, you took out 40 minutes of the movie, it'd probably be the Penguin section. But it's lifting up what's going to be the television show, The Penguin, a little bit later, which I can totally understand. Um, but the makeup job is phenomenal. It's almost like indistinguishable from actually seeing and uh Colin Farrell in there. So uh when the penguin pleads ignorance, Batman notices that Selena Kyle, Annika's roommate, works at the club as a waitress. I didn't really talk about the action scene of Batman going to the club fucking Love the music, love the aesthetic, love the action. Every time we're in this club, I'm like, oh, God, someone's getting their ass kicked. Some techno music to Batman. I, I I don't think I could get any more excited. And it was fucking phenomenal every time. And every time the penguin's like, oh, whoa, 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 bada bing, bada boom. You know, it's like, you know, take it easy. And uh, Batman's beating up the twins and whatnot. I, apparently, those are like... Um, deep cut villains and stuff like that. So I, I enjoyed all the little subtle references all the way down to, I didn't even really talk about Pattinson in the bat suit. I think it's one of the most mobile 
bat suits and usable bat suits that we've ever seen. Um, he hasn't perfected it 100%, given that he, he does, does this crash landing here in a little bit um, in the movie. Um, I do got to say, I, I do love the mask. I A lot of people had uh, mixed reactions. Sometimes the Batman mask feels like it's just a Batman mask and they put someone behind it to see if they look good and they don't really mold it to the actor's head. I feel like this is like straight up a mold of Robert Pattinson's head and they put like bat ears on it and it works for me and he has they actually show him with the black makeup on his eyes because realistically Batman puts that on his eyes so that you can't really see his I guess you can't see his skin underneath the mask um, or under his eyes. But then sometimes when they would remove the mask in previous movies, he wouldn't have the eye makeup. So that wouldn't really make 100% sense. Um, this one is, like I said, a lot more realistic with it. Um, and then the introduction of Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle, both bombshell on screen from the looks, the physicality to the acting. I think she's the full package. Just give me more of her. I I was 110% to see her on the big screen. Um, let me see. Annika's, yeah, so Selena Kyle's Annika's roommate. And she's kind of playing a loose version of, like, Catwoman, I guess. Because she's not called Catwoman in, inherently, but she calls herself the cat sometimes. Takes care of cats. And she's like, you know, the cat and the bat sounds pretty good. She refers to herself having nine lives a lot of different uh subtle references that aren't like beating you over the head with the cat puns that michelle pfeiffer was hitting us with or whipping us with in in the previous 90s versions um but uh so the, i do think it's a right the it's the right blend of like sexiness versus like noir versus like crime versus like does she trust batman does she not trust him that kind of thing and she still doesn't know he's bruce so uh batman notices that selena kyle annika's roommate works at the club as a waitress batman follows selena home to question annika but the latter soon disappears so he sends selena back to the iceberg lounge to search for answers through Selena, Batman discovers that the Savage discovers that Savage was on uh, Falcone's payroll as a district attorney, Gil Coulson. Selena shuts off communication with Batman, presses her. Uh, sorry, Selena shuts off communication when Batman presses her about her relationship with Falcone, and so. When they go back to the uh, Iceberg Lounge, which we're there a lot, it, you know, it's, it is a, pro uh, a procedure of just going to the uh, Iceberg Lounge about three or four times. Um, yeah, they're, they're there a lot. and But when Batman is doing his detective work, he has these smart contact lenses that allow him to, which I believe they already have. I don't know if they're allowing you to, to see video cam footage directly on a screen yet but they already have smart contact lenses that um google has patented for and uh, i believe other big companies have already tried to get into the smart contact game so this is not far from what we already have um so it is very cool to see batman using all of his his bat gear all his uh his kind of lower tech type stuff because uh, he is still year two he doesn't feel like he's fully established as the bat yet um so yeah i did enjoy 
the tech in it. I like how he's using it on Selena, and they're having a lot of chemistry. The Selena doesn't fully trust them when they're going back into the 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 lounge, and Batman's still asking her all this stuff, and he's she's just not ready to give all this information. Turns out Falcone is her father, and I don't a hundred percent understand if Falcone knew that that was his daughter until the very end, and did he necessarily care? Um, so. Maybe we'll find out here in a minute. The um, yeah, and she ends up removing her contacts from from uh, Batman's contacts, so he can't see anything she's doing anymore. So that's when their kind of communication communication kind of gets disrupted, and uh, they also find out about Gil Coulson kind of being on the payroll, and like everyone's on Falcon's payroll. It's all about like corruption within the police unit. And I think we would care more about this if we understood the police unit just a little bit more. It's it's weird because I feel like we almost could have gone for more time in this movie, but the more time would have had to been to dedicate to the 30 people that get killed or obliterated in this that I feel like we don't really understand or, or nor care about. Like Annika, all of the Riddler's people, uh, a little bit of... I, I know people were giving this movie credit for not showing the death of Bruce's parents, which I don't necessarily need to see that, but I, I did enjoy seeing Bruce and his parents just kind of like a day to day kind of thing, just to see what their life was like a little bit as in they had in the Batman begins. I wouldn't mind if they had had just like a, to see what it was like to be a young, young man, because there's so much references to other people previous times in history in this movie about people that aren't on screen that I'm not necessarily I care about um a lot of a lot of it has to do with the family of the Waynes and stuff like that you're like oh yeah that sucks but we didn't really hang out with them that much so I don't really have much emotional connection to it there's stuff that happens with uh, Martha Wayne I think like I think she's like accused of killing her parents or something like that being put in a psychiatric thing psychiatric facility and it's a lot of being told things and it's in and we're kind of seeing it through the riddlers the riddlers eyes or being told you know it's like you lost your parents bruce but uh you still had a bajillion dollars there's a million other kids that have are orphans that don't have that same luxury why are you sad you know um the riddler makes a really compelling point you're like yeah why are you sad why why do you think you get get to be better or why do you think this you have to act out this fantasy kind of thing but i don't think that it pushes that needle all the way they kind of bring up that question but they don't necessarily for me i don't know if they answer that i know that there's several times throughout the movie they're like they address bruce as saying bruce your family comes of this much wealth but you're not helping any of the city and a lot of it comes to him i guess what the whole overarching thing is he's helping out the city because he wants to enact vengeance but vengeance is not what the city needs the ven- the the city needs a hero and i think that's the character turn at the end and it is a super subtle turn for um for time's sake I just feel like he doesn't understand that until he's beating the living sack out of this guy on the on the bridge at the campaign thing. And the guy's like, 
he's the guy's like who are you and the uh, batman's beating him and the guy's like i'm vengeance and batman's like fuck that was my line and you know he kind of realizes that he's kind of no better than the criminals that are enacting this entire plan and flooding all of uh, Chicago at the end. So I know that this, that's kind of jumping around and maybe I'm just kind of talking it out loud of what the overarching character turn is. Um, and I definitely see it, but I guess it's because he's not Batman for the city of Gotham. He's Batman because he's trying to to enact uh, vengeance or revenge or, you know, he's doing it for a negative reason, not the positive reason, kind of self-serving. Um, and he does tell Andy Serkis's Alfred's that I love Andy Serkis's Alfred. I honestly wish we had just gotten more or if they had hung out just a little bit more. I know that, uh, the Christian Bale and Michael Caine dynamic was, was phenomenal. And I, it, it was kind of like capturing lightning in a bottle and, uh, kind of like Michael Go uh, and, uh, and, uh, Michael Keaton, they, they were both, uh, very good. So let me see. Let me see. Okay. So the Riddler abducts Coulson and that's pretty horrifying. Coulson's doing these drops. There's this whole like a subsection of these, uh, drugs being dealed through the city of Gotham named drops, dropping these drugs in the eyeballs. They were doing them at the club and there's a club within the club. Um, and that's where Coulson's found. Catwoman basically gets him out of there. Or Catwoman's talking to him, getting all this information out, trying to figure out where Annika is. And uh, Coulson eventually waddles out to his car and then is captured by the Riddler in his, in his truck. Riddler straps a bomb to his neck, tapes him up, get that <coughs> tape, and then you can't really see what's going on because they're always... Uh, doing the focus shift and blurring it out because I guess it's piece 13. You can't see somebody getting a bomb strapped to them, but you can see it actually happen. You know, I don't really know what the rules are for PG 13. How, what is too much? Um, so this Colson guy played by Peter Skarsgård, Skarsgård is always having to bust out the tears. I, I always feel so bad for Peter Skarsgård. I feel like this guy is always tortured in movies. I, uh, so he's just like, he comes to the decision. I'm kind of fast forwarding through the, uh, the funeral, which they showed the funeral car wreck in the teaser trailer. What the fuck is wrong with y'all? WB, you don't need to show all this bullshit. I, they literally show Agent. They show Coulson exploding. They show Coulson uh, driving through the funeral. And if I had watched the teaser trailer or any of the marketing material, I could have told you exactly what was going to happen. All the entire scene was basically shown out of order in the the marketing of it. I was I was honestly surprised that they showed so much. I was like, that's bullshit. Y'all don't need to do all that. Um, so yeah, I was just like, this is ridiculous. Um, the Riddler abducts Coulson, straps a timed collar to his neck, timed collar bomb to his neck, and sends him to interrupt Mitchell's funeral. When Batman arrives, we do have like a, a pretty interesting scene with Falcone and Bruce before all this happens. Bruce is trying; he's being very sullen, talking to nobody really, and. Uh, 
thinks he sees Catwoman with, uh, or he thinks he sees Zoe Kravitz, Selina with uh, Falcone, it ends up not being her, but they end up having a little talk, and the penguins are like, ah, bada bing, bada boom, and then they end up walking into the, uh, the funeral, and then that's when, uh, what's his face, uh, the vengeance guy that is at the end of the movie shows up, is at the funeral, and he's like looking at, he's looking at, uh, Bruce at that point, and, and Bruce is, you know, he, he is Bruce Wayne at this point, because it's broad daylight, and he's like, do I know you? And he's like, mm, don't worry about it. And Bruce walks away, starts talking to the campaign manager. The campaign manager's like, you know, you really haven't helped the city that much, and you got a bajillion dollars in a fucking massive-ass city, or sorry, a massive-ass tower alongside a lot of money. So, um, yeah, it's pretty pretty apparent that the only thing he's doing for the city, what I can tell, is just kind of showing up to events kind of showing up when he has to when Andy when Alfred's telling him to but he's not giving back in in the way that the city really needs it. He the city doesn't need vengeance, I think. The, the city needs uh the you know, a hero. And so they need a hero. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> uh let me see. Uh okay, so when Batman arrives, okay, so the car Bust through the fucking funeral and almost kills the kid of the campaign manager from the first act and the campaign kid man the the kid of the campaign guy uh is basically like a proxy for what bruce was or still kind of is um it may possibly be the future robin i know some people were talking like hey bruce can take that kid under his wing and be a robin i don't know about all that um but Bruce is constantly saving this kid throughout this movie. So uh, either as Bruce or Batman. So he saves the kid. Uh, we find out it's Coulson. And and even in the same scene before Coulson goes through, you know, they're like, where's Coulson? Where's Coulson? And then all of a sudden, <laughs> fussing, bust through the thing, bust through the window. And the Riddler apparently might be at the funeral as well. Or it might be someone that's dressed as the Riddler. Sometimes it's hard to tell. Uh, so... Um, Car busts through, Coulson comes out, he's basically, they're having to do riddles, and they get on a phone call, they're, they're, they're on a fucking phone call with, um, the Riddler. I will say the phone calls were a bit much. There's like three or four phone calls, or we see the Riddler on some sort of digital device over the course of maybe four or five times in the movie, and I think we might see him on the cell phone just as many times as we see him in person. Not, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Some of them were like news reports about uh, the Riddler is doing something again. Check this out. By the way, it's really fucked up. (laughs) And it's like, uh, okay. And they're just playing these like, uh, like when I think the next guy after this is taken, the next guy is taken after this. And I think that's when he gets the rats on, rats on his head and rats in his arms or something and just attached to rats um and they show it on the news i'm like what the fuck um i don't know about all that i i guess the establishment of riddler saying i'm going to kill somebody every day until you find the riddles or something like that i don't feel like that was 100 percent established just felt like random people were dying at random times even though the joker in the dark knight saying you know, 
if so-and-so is not dead in an hour, I'm going to blow up a hospital. You know, that kind of shit. It felt very precise and, like, to the T. And it felt like this is what's going to happen at this time, and we need to do this right now. If I, if one of these boats doesn't blow up the other, I will blow up both of them or something like that. You know, he he was very precise in his direction and i don't necessarily feel like the direction of the riddler made 100 percent sense for me watching it i was like all right so how are we going to figure this out in a certain amount of time before we get to the next thing because it kind of felt just like up oh, someone's missing oh now we got to figure out the clue up oh, someone's missing now we got to figure out the clue it didn't there's so many subplots of like the selena kyle and uh falcone things going on um and having to like beat the crap out of the penguin here in a little bit, I'm just like, I'm not sure if everything's all lining up for me. If I, I like I said, I need to rewatch the movie several times to kind of see if everything aligns. I'm not sure if the Riddler's plan makes a hundred percent sense to me personally, especially with getting caught in the third act. I, I, I was not crazy about him getting caught in the third act because he didn't seem like he needed to. Um. So yeah, the. Coulson ends up blowing up after the riddles kind of go sideways and it blows up Batman and that kind of sends him all the way to, um, let me, let me, let me read this. The Riddler abducts Coulson strapped a timed collared bomb to his neck and sends him to interrupt Mitchell's funeral. When Batman arrives, the Riddler calls him through Coulson's phone and threatens to detonate the bomb. If Coulson cannot answer three riddles, Batman helps and Coulson answer the first two, but Coulson refuses to answer the third, so it is Coulson's fault. He doesn't want to be the quote-unquote La Rat or El Rat. Um, technically, it's El Rat. You don't know the difference in El and La! I thought that was fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, the name of the informant who gave the GCPD information that led to a historic drug bust ending mobster Salvatore Moroni's uh, operation and dies. So yeah, he knew he was going to be fucked either from the GCPD or from the mobster. Cause the mobs, the mobs, sorry, the mob would have gone after his family. Batman and Gordon deduce that, uh, the informant may be the penguin and track him to a drug deal. That's where a little bit more action comes out. Big, big set piece featuring the, uh, Batmobile's introduction, I thought, like, once again, I had to change my shorts again. I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, the Batmobile, this is the coolest shit I've ever seen. And it, it generally, I think from the aesthetic of seeing this new, like, Fast and the Furious family, Bat family car, it looked like a muscle car from, like, straight up hashtag family, um, Fast and Furious, I was like, this is sick, the, the blue light coming from the the exhaust in the back of the flames just and then you have the rumble of the the engine at the front with the the orange glows and just the sound oh my gosh the the sounds like there's so many different like elements of the the batmobile experience i was like yes I didn't realize that it was such a kink for me to see the Batmobile. <laughs> like, I was like, Jesus. I, I've actually seen all of the Batmobiles up until this one, actually, because um, I went to w WB Studios 
and uh, they had a full Batman section of all the Batmobiles. That was it was the coolest shit I've ever seen. Um, in the tumbler, holy sack, things huge. All honestly, all of them are huge. They're they're all super oversized cars, um, if I remember correctly. So this was so sick. So, anyways, um, they go to this drug deal where the penguins at and all that. They discover Maroni's operation transferred to Falcone. Uh, with uh, many GCPD officers involved. Selena inadvertently exposes them when she arrives to steal to steal money. As the penguin flees, Selena discovers Annika's corpse in a car trunk. Um, so yeah, Selena shows up, whoops the twins' ass. Fucking so badass. Looks amazing. And I do like the... the, the outfit i don't really know much more to say about her hat but i mean she has little cat ears on the top but i, th- I thought it was subtle it's like a fucking superhero thing it's like i know some people wanted the full mask and whatnot but i thought she looked great um you know to each their own the um so yeah she steals the money as the penguin f- as the penguin flees, Selena discovers Annika's corpse in the car trunk. Once again, it was like, oh no, it's Annika. It's the chick we never really met the whole movie, and she's dead, I guess. You know, it's like that was kind of uh, obvious, I guess. I don't know. A lot of stuff about Annika, about this character we never really meet. Um, Batman captures the penguin, but learns that he was not the informant. Okay, this completely skips over the. Uh, uh, the Batmobile fight, or the Batmobile versus Penguin fight. I think it's supposed to be a little bit reminiscent of the Penguin trying to escape in the Batman Returns movie, I think, uh, with Keaton again. But um, this one's obviously a lot more pulse-pounding. It's at night. I forgot to mention how much it's raining in this fucking film. I think it's raining every other scene and night. <laughs> so it's dark as shit, wet as fuck. Everything's everything's wet, everything's bat, everything's dark. Um but when there is light, like I said, surrounding the Batmobile, I basically G'd myself about three or four times. I was like, I this is the coolest shit I've ever seen. And the Batmobile kind of does this like jump. It's like, was that supposed to happen or was that supposed to be an intimidation thing? Or was like he hit the gear wrong or something i didn't really understand but he's going after penguin there's like a lot of collateral damage on the highway after all that bullshit so batman may not use guns and that's kind of obvious in one of the scenes but um he will kill people to get what he needs (laughs) and he ended up needing the penguin um so he captures the penguin but learns that he was not in the informant and i i do think the penguin scenes are are what bring a little bit more levity i think he's he is kind of funny um talking about l and la l rat la rat all that type of stuff um batman and um gordon follow the riddler's trail to the ruins of an orphanage funded by bruce's murdered parents thomas and martha wayne where they learn that the riddler holds a grudge against the wayne's family um bruce bruce's butler and caretaker alfred pennyworth um is opening up a piece of mail when the when there is like information being released all in this like abandoned orphanage um there's like a projector somehow the projector has uh electricity i'm not going to really ask about that but there someone's put some sort of powerpoint slash 
uh, newscast on the screen while Commissioner Gordon and Batman are looking at all the information. And Batman figures out in that, that scene that the next victim is going to be uh, Alfred Pennyworth. And I feel like this is the most amount of time we get between people of people that we care about that are going to get taken. And we're like, oh, shit. Um, and so we see the editing. It's, it's pulse pounding, the, the cell phone call, the opening of the mail, all this stuff. It's going, it's it's on pins and needles. You're like, oh, shit, don't fucking kill Alfred. And then he sees that that's a bomb and, and throws it to the side. It's like... <laughs> And then the phone is finally picked up by, I forget, like Doris or something like that. I forgot his, the butler's, what's her face's name. Um, she's like, oh, Master Wayne. Oh, he's like, he's like, tell Alfred to get out of the house. Get out, don't, don't, don't open the mail. Don't, 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 don't get in and do the thing. Don't, you know, the Riddler's coming over in the bottom. You gotta do the thing. And then she's like, oh, but Master Wayne, it's already happened. And... She's like, I've been trying to reach you this whole time. It's like, what? What? You mean Batman has all this fucking tech and he has no idea that his house has been exploded uh, like an hour ago. So, like, it cuts to a wide shot and then you see, like, Doris is in there with firefighters and all that stuff. And I think it does cut to the hospital almost immediately. Um... And if you see a hospital generally in most films or TV shows, that means the character is going to live. If you see the body um, not completely decimated or if it's, you know, it, you basically have to see the body torn apart to understand if, the, if somebody's dead or not. Otherwise, they're keeping that actor. They're keeping them doing something. Um And so we, we have Andy Serkis still in the in the hospital almost an hour and a half into this movie or something like that. Um, so like, God dang, that, that was crazy. So the Riddler holds a grudge against the Wayne's family. Bruce's butler and caretaker, Alfred Pennyworth is hospitalized after opening a letter addressed to Bruce. And I got to say, Andy, uh, Alfred Pennyworth deserves God dang respect. He talks, uh, bat Bruce talks so much bullshit to him. He's like, you're not my father. You don't know me. You ain't like me. You don't understand what my life is like. And it's like, uh, Alfred is like, I have been your, basically your surrogate father since you were a child. And me as, uh, me personally, as someone that's been adopted and that, understands the family roles and dynamics that it's not always what blood that determines who you are i'm i'm very much a firm believer of you know the, the environment you grow up in is what you're going to kind of adapt to and learn from and so if bruce as impressioned at such a young age of like six or seven or wherever whenever bruce his parents died that Alfred would be his would be so much of his father and his friend that I don't think he would ever be as as an asshole to him as like this. Like maybe in really intense conversations he might say you're not my father, but he would still listen to him like a father. He would still listen to him like a best friend. And I think there needs to be a little bit more respect on Alfred Pennyworth's name. <laughs> so yeah, the Riddler then leaks evidence that Thomas who was running for mayor before he was murdered, 
uh, hired Falcone to kill a journalist for threatening to reveal embarrassing details about Martha's history of mental illness. Um, that was kind of interesting too, but I kind of do feel like if we had had just a hinge or maybe a 15 minute intro or just subjugate 15 minutes of the three hour movie to understanding the, t- the Waynes, we didn't even have to see them die. In my opinion, I just think that living with the Waynes for whenever they were for however long, five minutes, 10 minutes, we would have got to understand them a little bit more and maybe understood that there was some sort of, uh, some shadiness happening with, uh, Bruce Wayne's father and his career. And so Bruce, who grew up believing his father was morally upstanding, confronted Alfred, who confirms the allegations, but states... The Riddler then... Sorry, let me back up a little bit. The Riddler then leaks evidence that Bruce... Sorry, leaks evidence that Thomas was running from mayor before he was the Riddler then leaks evidence that Thomas who was running for mayor before he was murdered hired Falcone to kill a journalist for threatening to reveal embarrassing details about Martha Martha's history of mental illness um that does sound a little bit out of character um I think he said to originally just rough him up but then Falcone just took it to the nth degree and just decided to kill this reporter um, Bruce, who believes his father was morally upstanding, confronts Alfred, who confirms the allegations that states that Thomas did not intend for Falcone to murder the journalist, like I said, and planned to turn him over to the police once he had found out. Um, Alfred, Alfred believes that Falcone had Thomas and Martha killed to prevent this, which is, which is kind of, uh... It makes sense for how the dominoes fall, but a lot of this is like talking about people and things and places of things that had happened off screen, uh, like kind of like the Annika thing, kind of like the Bruce Wayne thing. Um, we we understand why he's he's so brooding, but and and we understand his loss, but we also don't understand the previous time before that. We never understood him ever being happy. Um, and it's not like we needed a full episode or a full hour of him just dilly-dallying around with his family. Um, but I do think a little bit of the time could have been dispersed to when they were younger. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, when 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 they were in the fucking alley getting shot. But, you know, just giving a little bit more insight into the, the Wayne family. Um, so Selena tells Batman that Falcone is her father. Though Falcone does not know it. Okay, so he doesn't know it. She learns that Falcone strangled Annika because Mitchell told her that Falcone was the informant and decides to kill him. Batman and Gordon arrive at the Iceberg Lounge in time to stop her, but the Riddler kills Falcone as he is arrested. There's pretty pretty fun action scene, lot going on, intense drama, um... Eventually, it leads to essentially the Riddler shooting Falcone as he's leaving the uh, leaving the lounge. Which I'm trying to understand why he's shooting Falcone because I feel like he's only shooting people that are morally like people that are acting like they're good, but they're actually not like uh, corrupt. 
like obviously the mobster's corrupt. I, I didn't think that he cared about corrupt people. I thought he or he cares about people that are acting like they're not corrupt, but they actually are corrupt. Um, so the Riddler kills Falcone as he's arrested. The Riddler is soon unmasked as forensic accountant Edward Nashton and incarcerated in Arkham State Hospital. Now we see in the movie theater, sorry, in the trailer, um, when the Riddler is at the diner. And if you're two hours into the movie and you see this, you're like, why did he just let himself do that? I, I understood for the sake of the Joker in The Dark Knight, that whole subsection of him having it all according to plan. And it felt like it was all according to plan. He planned, uh, he planned for the cops to show up and he had a plan past that. He talked about anarchy and not having a plan, but my God, I felt like he had more of a plan than the Riddler because when the Riddler comes down to it, he executes his stuff, but he doesn't have an execution for how he gets away. And I felt like the execution for how you get away is one of the most important parts of being a villain in, in this film i don't know i i was kind of flabbergasted with their decision to to have the riddler kind of give himself up because it's like a detective story but then he just gives himself up it's like what did we have two hours of us trying to find this guy for him just to give himself up he basically wins if you think about it um the Riddler is soon unmasked as forensic accountant Edward Nashton and incarcerated in Arkham State Hospital where he laments about failing to kill Bruce. And at first I thought he knew that Bruce was um, Batman. I guess he doesn't. He does not realize that Bruce is Batman, whom he idolizes and took inspiration from when targeting the corrupt. When I originally watched this, I thought that's what happened. Nashton proposes a partnership, but Batman rejects him. Searching his apartment, Batman learns that Nashton has stationed car bombs around Gotham and cultivated an online following that plans to assassinate Mayor-elect Bella Real. Um, I did feel like some of the iconography of, first of all, Batman, uh, sorry, Bruce Wayne, scattering out everything on the floor and then spray painting his floor for clues i guess did not make any sense to me i i was like this is some cool iconography but it's it's only that it doesn't make any sense for me to i didn't think that it made any sense and then again the riddler kind of does the same thing um of doing this full plan where he's he's carved out the entire cityscape onto his floor and covered it with a carpet and that's the carpet is the same the the carpet is the same what ripper or whatever it's called um is the same tool that was bludgeoned to kill the first guy in the first act so you're like okay so this is for a big act reveal of you know understanding what the what the full plot is i was like this is so weird um it felt like a little bit of rewriting, in my opinion, had happened for this final act. Um, so yeah, he finds out when he rips up the carpet in one of the um, one of the murdered one of the places where the crime happened. Uh, crime had happened um, that there's car bombs going to go off all over 
Gotham City, basically going to fuck everything up. You know, this is no bueno for anybody. And uh, it's going to... The car bombs are going to go around Gotham, and a cultivated and the Riddler cultivated an online following that plans to assassinate Mayor Elect Bellarail. Um, and again, if we had had more of that character, I think we would have understood or cared a little bit more about that character. I didn't really care about the the mayor. Um, let me see what else the. Online following of the Riddler makes a hundred percent sense. It's almost like kind of like this incel slash QAnon slash cultivated following. You see another one of the uh, the videos that the Riddler had had uh, produced. He's like, "Ah, oh, hey guys, uh, thanks for the uh, the uh, the detonator information, and uh, I think we're gonna have a really good turnout, Joe. So, uh, thanks." For for liking and subscribing it's like oh my gosh it's it's a little bit uh uh it feels like it touches so close to home because it feels like we have we have these type of crazy people these days just online and i don't know don't have much to say about that but uh it definitely feels like it hits home a little bit much he's a streamer the the bombs destroy the breakwaters around gotham and flood the city like, the city is fucked after this. I think thousands of people would have died during this. A shelter is set up in an indoor area where Nashton's followers shoot, but fail to kill Bellariel. I think I'm saying that right. They are stopped by Batman and Selina. Uh, very cool action scene. I will say, once again, it was fucking dark. It was huge. It felt grand scale, grandiose. Um... You know, some ass-kicking Robert Pattinson. Apparently, I think he did all of his stunts by himself. Even even through the COVID-19, he had, I think he had gotten COVID during um, the filming of this and still looked like he was whooping ass. Couldn't even tell. Because um, sometimes you can have, like, longer effects during that. Harder to, you know, work out whatnot. But I couldn't tell. I thought he looked like he was whooping all ass. Um, so, yeah, it was a very very lively third act but it was more of a reaction and it not so much being able to save people i mean we do see batman beating the sack out of all the all the people um that he had to i think it was maybe about 10 or 20 goons alongside with selena kyle and then he he gets shot a few times with like a shotgun like sometimes his his armor deflects uh bullets and other times it feels it like i think he gets shot with a shotgun at one point and he's just like gets the wind taken out of him and he has to like inject himself with this like green goblin juice he's like or some people said it was adrenaline no one really knows what the green juice was i'm I'm calling it green goblin juice so he went full goblin mode he went straight goblin and batman's like he's whooping everybody's ass and he beats the one guy who's getting ready to say i'm vengeance his ass he's like bam 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 the thing i don't believe is that guy would be able to talk after how many times he got beat uh he's like i'm vengeance you know he's like just like he would be done he's dead he's dead after the first punch (laughs) um so they are stopped by batman and selena in the aftermath uh, and like I said, Zoe Kravitz, fucking badass. She's just in there just as much whooping ass. She's so uh, limber and nimber and whatever, all the timbers. She's making them all fucking fall down. It was crazy. Um, 
so um yeah in the aftermath nashton befriends another inmate um that's barry keong at the very end i think his name is keon he was in killing of a sacred deer apparently he's pretty crazy in that i haven't really seen that he played a young crazy man in that uh and or unstable let's just say that crazy is kind of like generic i think unstable is probably the best um but the enigma scene let me just talk about paul dano as the as enigma he did feel unhinged he felt weird he felt like he would probably be capable of it when he starts singing um i i i could do without that um i did not find it a hundred percent that he didn't know who Bruce was. I thought that there was so much information on the wall that was tying Batman to Bruce. Um, especially in the last scene where the, the map was found that I thought it was obvious that Bruce, uh, Bruce was, um, Batman. And so I just thought by definition, um, the Riddler knew. So, Having him at the end kind of, you know, bouncing off the walls, acting a little bit ridiculous. It was, in my opinion, a little extra, but he would probably be acting similar to that if he was in real life. Um, uh, the the quote-unquote possible Joker appearance at the all, of it all is kind of... Eh, it did not ruin it at all for me, although I don't think it actually added anything for me. I understand how some people were like, oh shit, is that the Joaquin Phoenix Joker? No, I don't feel like it was any of that. It, first of all, I think it was Barry Keon um, in prosthetics. But, uh, yeah, I, I I could do I could do another movie without the Joker for right now. I, I just don't really... I want to explore more of the world before we go to the Joker. It's so easy to go to that. Um, while Selena deems Gotham beyond saving... She leaves. Um, and I do like the little uh, will they, won't they kind of push and pull. And they're kind of, instead of like making out and kissing and all that, they hop on their motorcycles and they kind of have like a motorcycle love language. And I thought that was really a beautiful way to end it. And then they kind of go their separate ways. And um, I was like, God dang, this is good. Um, Batman aids recovery efforts and vows to inspire hope in Gotham. And I think that's what what is kind of missing throughout it. It's like it's very dreary. It's it, it's not hopeful at all and uh until this very last ending. And I got to say some of the iconography in this movie is just eye-capturing just it, my eyes were just like in love with everything they're seeing him falling into the water when he's going to save the people and that kid again needs to be saved with the the campaign manager at the last act into the water beautiful him bringing the 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 red fuse out or whatever to to help everybody he's like like carrying everybody like fucking moses through the red sea it was almost biblical levels of uh, uh beautiful um and then seeing him at the the very end of the movie on the, the sunset and whatnot on wherever the, the bat signal is, it looks like it's on like a an abandoned building. It doesn't look like it's in a on the police station. I don't remember it that, but um, 
yeah, fucking phenomenal. I didn't really talk about him having to escape from the police unit. That was fucking crazy. Um, I honestly would have gone for a little bit more. I could have gone for a little bit more vigilante Batman because he's fucking booking it from everybody. Um, I do feel like the police kind of forgive Batman in, in between that. I don't really know exactly what's going on um, because... He let me think. Like Batman is escaping. He punches uh, Lieutenant Gordon. Has to escape and is being shot at by policemen. And then he has to do like the squirrel suit dive off the fucking uh, uh, the building. And that was fucking amazing. I think they actually got somebody to do that shit. I don't know how they did that. Um. And then we see Bruce, uh, you know, go full squirrel suit and try to make it under clear under a, a bridge. And I think he actually releases some sort of uh, parachute that gets caught on the bridge. And that's what gets snapped and causes him to roll. But I was like, the practical effects in that, the blending of that, it was fucking amazing. I was like, and he looks like he's in pain, too. So it's kind of, it feels like there's maybe a little bit of time in between that could have been, if he was a TV show, he would have had to go back and, like, soak in a tub or something like that, getting, like, the daredevil coffin thing where he's fucking, like, getting all better, healing all of his muscles. But, um, because after that, I was like, Jesus, he's not going to be able to fight shit after this. But he seemed fine, honestly. The reaction of it didn't seem to last very long. Got them limber bones, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I was just like, this is the the action in it. Like I said, I could have gone for that action scene to go like five minutes longer or just kind of keep up the pacing in it. So, yeah, I really enjoyed uh, the Batman uh, 2022. Um, I know there's talks about sequels. Uh, the Batman is intended to be the first of the new Batman film trilogy, establish a Batman-focused shared universe separate from the DCEU. Key cast members signed on for future films November 2019, December 2021. Pattinson said he had had ideas for developing the Batman character in further films, while Clark said the Batman would lay a foundation for future films to build upon. Pattinson and Reeves expressed interest in introducing Robin and feature the Court of Owls, Calendar Man, Mr. Freeze, Mr. Freeze, or Hush as villains to the sequel. I hear that this this actual villain of the Riddler is kind of like a blend of Hush and the Riddler. So, and a little splash of the Joker. So I'm not 100% sure what the Hush villains uh, like. So I might have to go back and check that out. Um, but yeah, I, it's supposed to spin off uh, to bring in the Penguin. It's funny how I feel like the entire show... or Sorry, the entire time that they were producing this they were like this is the standalone batman movie it has nothing to do with all those other batman stuff nothing to do with the joker nothing to do with all that and what are they doing spin off immediately after <laughs> the batman 2022 is found to be a, a success um we we're like just kidding so sure as long as they're taking their time and not fucking it up and doing the the whole justice league of it all I think they'll they'll do all right. Like I said, this movie is an eight out of ten. Go to luckitallpodcast.com. Listen to this full review. Full listen to it early. Listen to early reviews. Batman eighty nine. Got other television shows. Other other uh, superhero DC 
DC, Marvel, if you like superhero stuff, go to the uh, youtube.com slash look it up podcast. You can check out the playlists on there. Um, yeah, we're on the Twitter, on the Facebook, on the all the all the popular social medias. I don't know what's popular in 10 years, so I'm not going to go through all of them. We're just going to go say look it up podcast.com. Thank you for listening, watching Vengeance. Take it easy. I got you! I got you!